Welcome back to the 99, where we're focused on brewing a better competitive commander. I'm your host, Patrick Marlette, and this is spoiler season. I feel like I'm saying that every month, but that's that's great news, depending on who you are and your budget, because damn, we are breaking the bank this year on magic products. But if Modern Horizons 2 is anything like Modern Horizons 1, well, we're sure to see a lot of great cards from it. And there's a lot of new bordering techniques being implemented here, some stuff we've seen from previous sets all being mashed into one, and I'm quite excited for that, actually, prospectively, to see if I can pull some old border foils That'd be great because hot damn they're expensive on the secondhand market. But guys, Modern Horizons 2, it's right on the the word's gonna come to me. It releases June 18th, if I'm not mistaken, with pre-release scheduled for June 11th, so get hyped for that. I of course will be covering this set in full as we move into June, and I'm extremely excited for all the product from it. However, we're just going to discuss all of these spoiled cards to date from the perspective of a CDH player. That's right, the superior intellect of a competitive commander player. And I'm extremely excited to share my thoughts on this. Now, before we jump into this video, you already know what I'm going to say. If you enjoy the content, nay, love the content here on The 99, the best way to help support it is with a pledge over on Patreon. Your pledge there goes miles in helping to production here, but also guys, there are benefits for Brew Babes, crew members, and masters alike. We just held our Brew Master livestream last week. It was an excellent time. It's rather lengthy, but if you've got a chance, definitely check it out. Of course, there are other ways to help support the channel as well. Of course, if you're looking to pre-order any of these Modern Horizons 2 cards we discussed today, and I'll let you know which ones are worth it, the best place to do so is over at TC player and if you use the link in the description a portion of those proceeds will go to help the channel and i thank you for that this set is looking really good so far the prices have kind of risen on some pre-order boxes i've seen but i believe you can still you know snag them for under 300 dollars if you were looking to draft this with friends so there is that to bear in mind. However, guys, as with every month, there's a monthly topic to discuss and for the month of May, what do you find more important in Commander? Drawing? or tutoring. We've gotten a string of opinions from our Patreon membership as well as our viewership alike, and it's been a mixed batch. But what do you find more important in the realm of Commander? A well-played tutor or a well-timed draw effect? Uh, let me know in the comment section down below, and of course, hang tight till the end of this video to hear the thoughts of one of our brew crew and or masters on this very topic. Now, let's jump into this video. There's a couple of really great cards in here. We're going to be going over every single release, every single spoil uh, thus far in alphabetical order. Okay, so starting with the Bs, we have Brainstone. And can I just, I just want to take a second before I even read the card off. I'm sorry if you're listening to this via podcast, but this is the best art from the game in, in years for me. Drew Tucker, Drew Tucker, killed it with this. I mean, just look at that bokeh. Look at that beautiful, the, the out of focus rendering of the background. It's almost photographic, this image. It is so damn beautiful. Uh, easily my favorite art in years for the game. And it's actually playable in one of my decks, so I'm extremely excited for it. Brainstone, one generic artifact. Pay two, tap it, sacrifice Brainstone, draw three cards, then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. Now, uh, Brainstone, Brainstorm. 
right? It's very similar to Brainstorm. As a matter of fact, it's, it's practically the same thing as Brainstorm, just very expensive. However, you're going off color for a fantastic effect, so you get what you pay for, right? Now, the clearer one-to-one -one comparison here is with an older card from Fallen Empires called Concorn. Okay, so I don't blame you if you've never heard of this card, but Concorn, for two generic artifact, pay one, tap, sacrifice Concorn, draw two cards, then put a card from your hand on top of your library. That is more in line with what this artifact is doing so far as its cost is concerned, but obviously I feel like this new card plays better on curve. It's one CMC as opposed to two, and I'd rather hold my mana up and decide whether or not I should, you know, use this ability I have access to uh, now, which is pay two, sacrifice this tap, it, blah, 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 do the draw three, which is which is better, right? Which is a better effect. Although Concorn, if you have been playing with it, it's getting rather expensive and it's only gonna scale up because it's on the reserve list, if I'm not mistaken. But Concorn is an okay card in Teshar, an outlet, uh, but this is a fantastic card in Teshar, right? Or if you have a deck that cares about any sort of historics entering the battlefield, um, in this case, an artifact, well, this is gonna be really good for you. Or if you have an artifact matters list, this is gonna be good for you because it's only one CMC to drop. So in a Teshar list, this is giving you that trigger you'd want as well as an outlet once you have infinite mana. And I have to say, it sucks when you have infinite mana and no outlet. So I'm definitely considering putting this in that list. However, this is still a really great card. Now, does it compare with Brainstorm, which is clearly its inspiration? No. No, but blue has all of the card quality effects. So if you happen to be outside of blue and can leverage this, it's not a bad option. However, I do think that this should solely go into list that could really uh, use it as a payoff, right? Utilize it for its full effect. You know, once you have infinite mana, this is fantastic. However, by and by, it's just okay. By itself, it's just okay. However, in a list that can really leverage it, it's fantastic. Uh, plus any excuse, to use, I, I sh I'll put up the brown border, and a brown border foil version of this. Any excuse I have, I will, I will play this. Drew Tucker. I'd love to interview Drew Tucker for the show. I'd love to just get his thoughts. He has such amazing art. And enter it. That's a, that's an idea for a future segment. Dacon Shadow Slayer, for one white, one blue, one black. What, what what is that? It's what what colors it? I don't care because I don't play blue. Legendary Planeswalker Dakin, uh, zero loyalty counters on ETBing. That's horrible, right? Hold up. Dakon Shadow Slayer enters the battlefield with a number of loyalty counters on him equal to the number of lands you control. So Dakon only scales, and obviously, I mean the earliest you can put Dakon down is you can probably put him down on turn one. But you know, I think realistically, you'll probably get him down on turn two. That is after, of course, maybe like a second land drop and like a turn one rock of some sort. Then you have Dakon, right? Um, and then Dakon will have three loyalty counters. But obviously Dakon only gets better as the game goes on because for the plus one, you have Surveil 2. It's almost like I knew there's a couple of abilities that were are in Modern Horizons 2 that came up in recent community polls and surveys. And Surveil was one of them. It's almost like I knew, right? I don't have that inside info though. Uh, but Surveil 2 is great. It's basically Scry, but better. So now you know what camp I'm in. Negative three, exile target creature, right? So there's no limit to how that functions. You just exile the thing. This is okay in a four person setting, obviously much better in a limited setting. 
However, still very good. And the last ability is actually really cool as well. So negative six, you may put an artifact card from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. Now, how important that effect is will vary and you're clearly going to want to get there by dropping Dakon when you have six lands on the board because you want to do it with immediacy right you don't want to have to wait and let you know you're surveilling this whole time and people are looking at Dakon this ticking time bomb and obviously you can drop some pretty cool effects onto the battlefield i kind of wish that it were they weren't just artifacts like i get thematically why they are artifacts uh but it would have been cool if they were creatures as well uh this this boy being in black However, put an artifact from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield this is a really potent effect. However, you're not in the right colors to utilize this well. Blue does have shenanigans that lets you put uh, lands onto the battlefield, if I'm not mistaken. But green is the predominant color of doing lands, you know, dropping lands rather um, with frequency, right? Moreover, your one land per turn is what I'm getting at. And I don't see green in this casting cost. So Dakon is kind of hindered by the color pie you're allowed to play it in. But if you're in a list of four or five colors and you have access to green, then this is actually pretty decent, right? I think Dakon is fine. I don't think it's going to see much play in a CDH setting, but I definitely think it's going to see play in just a regular commander setting. Uh, I don't think competitive players are really going to itch for this one. I could be wrong, though, and let me know what list you plan on putting Dakon in should that be the case. But next up, we have a card that really garnered a lot of attention when it got released because Modern Horizons is just a mesh of like, it's reinventing a lot of older spells. And this next one, Diamond Line, it's got a clear one-to-one -one with an older card as well. For two generic artifact creature cat, 2-2 two -two body, tap it, discard your hand, sacrifice Diamond Line, add three mana of any one color, Activate only as an instant. Now, why that last bit of text is important, and it's very important another similar effect, is that you can't... Mana abilities, generally speaking, you, you tap them whilst casting a spell as the last part of putting a spell on the stack, right? Although many people just tap their lands or tap their resources prior to that, you can actually use this, or rather you could have, used this to pay for a spell by placing it on the stack, However, they need to add that clause, activate it only at instant speed, because you can't cast spells while you're casting spells. Does that make sense? And as part of the requisite of doing this is discarding your hand, they're trying to stave off players from being able to cast a spell with the diamond lion without having to discard said spell, right? This sort of, it, there's, there's a weird hiccup in the cost of this uh, ability, right? So that's how they fixed it. But it's very similar to Lion's Eye Diamond, which is worlds better. Now, why do I say Lion's Eye Diamond's worlds better? It's because you discard your hand, sacrifice Lion's Eye Diamond, and you don't need to tap Lion's Eye Diamond for the effect. Which is rendered even worse here, that the fact that you have to tap the Diamond Lion because Diamond Lion happens to be a creature, right? It's an artifact and a creature, so it is summoning sick. So you pay two for this odd piggy bank, and then on your next turn, you have three mana at your disposal, provided you don't mind getting rid of your hands. Now, this functions all right in a commander setting because, generally speaking, you always have access to at least one, uh, you know, planeswalker and or creature in the command zone. So you have access to spells to cast, even if you discard your hand. And in scenarios where you're running Underworld Breach, this is as good as a Black Lotus. You have access to whatever's in your graveyard at this point, 
and you just dumped your hand, right? So Diamond Line, still okay, but on, on the scale, on, on the Patrick Hand scale, LED, right up there, right near the top of the frame, and then Diamond Line's right down here, right? Because not to mention the fact, like, you can maybe get over this hiccup, by playing like anger and then you've like rummaged the anger and now all you have a mountain all your things have haste so you're playing samut and samut's out and all your things have haste if i'm not mistaken she does that so you know then you can use diamond lion as soon as it drops but one of the common stacks pieces that i play in ones that's being used more often are things enter the battlefield tapped like manglehorn has officially replaced you know reclamation sage and obviously lists that are elf tribal are probably gonna use Rex Age still, but Manglehorn's the better piece because it makes it so that artifacts enter the battlefield tapped. And Diamond Line, if it's tapped, is screwed. LED, if it's tapped, still wins you the game. So Diamond Line has a lot of things working against it. I do not think this card's gonna see play in CDH. Again, this might be the one that surprises me of all of the cards that have released thus far i think this has the least odds of being usable but i'd love to hear how you're implementing diamond line in a deck i'm not really sure how to get over those hiccups the summoning sickness as well as the two generic cost now you know clearly you could work in some sort of if you had haste enabling you can do like a brain freeze setup with your underworld breach and this could be a budget um led for your deck although you're only netting one mana every single time as opposed to three so it's not quite as good i think there are likely better things to do with your time in those setups but diamond lines there for you as an additional card however i wouldn't buy it for 15 dollars or whatever they're you know pre-ordering at right now and i should state although i recommended you buy from the link in the description Definitely wait a few weeks after the set releases. In some instances, it's better to pre-order, you know, looking back at this previous set with Strixhaven, some of those mystical archives shot up in value. It's hard to tell which ones will, but if they're staple cards and new arts are bordering, those ones will likely shoot up in value or at least maintain their general value. They usually don't dive too much lower than what you're seeing them pre-order at. The market's definitely established the, the pricing well on singles uh, these days from what I've seen. But next up, we have Flame Tongue Cav. No, we have the Flame Tongue Yearling for two red creature Kavu, two one body with multi kicker, multi kicker two. So you can pay this ability as an additional cost as many times as you want uh, as you're casting this. Now, Flame Tongue Yearling enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it for each time it was kicked. So if you pumped four into the kicker, then you get a, a two plus one plus one counters. So it's a four three. When Flame Tongue Yearling enters the battlefield, it deals damage equal to its power to target creature. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Flame Tongue Kavu, and I'm gonna look this up. I, I I like Flame Tongue Kavu quite a bit, and it just does four generically, right? Yeah. So it should be on the screen. So that's sort of what the counter to Flame Tongue Kavu is, or rather, Yearling's counter is the Kavu. So for four mana, you do four damage. This has the potential to be bigger, but costs so much more to do the thing i'm honestly surprised that this is at uncommon i don't know mind you you can pay four for this and still do three damage to target creature but i'm not all too impressed with the overall card itself obviously you know not all the cards we're going to be mentioning today are going to be phenomenal bombs for commander because i believe there's only been a total of 12 cards spoiled that are new 
to the world of MTG. Mind you, we've also seen reprints of Sanctum Prelate, Fetchlands, which is fantastic news for people that were trying to buy Fetchlands. But this card's okay. Don't need to say too much about Flame Tongue Kabu. Unlike a yearling. Um, plenty to say about Flame Tongue Kabu. I love that guy. Uh, this is just okay. Doesn't replace Flame Tongue Kabu in my opinion, and is just very expensive. Maybe you've got a way to like, you know, discount the rate of like kicker spells. I'm, sh I'm, sh there are cards that do that, but I wouldn't recommend building around this. All right, next up is the already banned, if I'm not mistaken. That might be a lie. I think the Discord was talking about this card though, and it was either a meme that was banned or it's actually banned from like modern or standard. It's not banned in Commander though, and that card is grief. For two generic double black elemental incarnation creature, three two body. Oh my gosh. Hopefully this is a sign for more things to come. But menace, when grief enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals their hand. You may choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card. Well, that's really good. That's that's really good. Which one is that? Is that duress? Hold on. No, 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 it's better than duress. Um, so I mean, it's better than Duress, but it's four mana. Well, hold up, is it four mana though? Because you can evoke this card, exile a black card from your hand instead. So you can cast this as a creature when it enters the battlefield, it will die or sacrifices itself, one or the other. But the basic idea with evoke is that you get to, and all of the creatures with evoke have some form of enter the battlefield effect or leave the battlefield effect. I'm not a compendium on every single evoke card, but in this instance, you get to get grief on the battlefield, it goes away, and all you have to do is exile a black card from your hand. So you're down two cards here technically for this effect. Is it good in a commander setting? Not really. I think that the ability is really awesome, and I would love to see more effects like this. Now, obviously, if this was like, if grief was a tutor, <laughs> If Grief said exile a black card and then search my library for a card, even if it told me to put that card on top, I would still do that. Like if this was an Imperial Seal uh, for two cards, right, Grief and then another black card from my hand, I would be so down for that, right? That's the kind of thing that CDH players need. And I'm not even sure, you know, non-competitive players would want this. This is just asking quite a bit, especially if you don't have good card draw, you're going to be hampered by the fact that you need to exile another card to hinder one opponent or stop one opponent right grief grief it could cause a lot of grief at the table too if you're targeting one opponent while these two other players are just like <laughs> look at this guy doing all the work for us not worth it in a cdh setting however very cool and i hope we see more effects like this like all of the you know without all of the instead all of the alternative casting cost it's free now spells I love them. I love seeing more things like that. We need to see more effective abilities and colors outside of blue like that. Deflecting SWAT was like the big one, the huge one for other colors outside of blue. Blue, generally speaking, gets alternative free counter spells. That's just what sells, right? That's what's going to sell packs. But none of the other colors get that kind of love, or rather, they get effects that are useful outside of the commander format but there are certain effects like this is actually quite good i'm sure that some people are going to slot this into their mono black list probably wouldn't recommend it beyond that however grief a plus cool looking card in my book again don't buy it for commander though however moving on 
Speaking of tutors, and we got two tutors. One of them I love. This one's okay. Profane tutor. Sorcery speed. It is zero CMC. A card without a mana cost is zero. Is considered zero. Okay. Suspend two. Pay one and a black. Search your library for a card, put that card into your hand, then shuffle your library. Okay, okay, okay. So, this is just okay. This is just okay. If you have something like Finale of Promise, Electro Dominance, Dreadhorde Arcanist, any of the things that lets you cast a thing without paying its mana cost, right? Like you see it in the grave, you would, <laughs> I guess, if you entomb this for some reason, let's just say that, and then you used uh, Dreadhorde Arcanist, when you attack with Dreadhorde Arcanist, you're allowed to cast a spell from your graveyard. You can then cheat this out and get past the suspend, and it's a very good tutor, right? But by itself, it's just a suspend tutor. It's a, it's a worse demonic tutor in every sense. Right? And, you know, people know that with this, unless you have some sort of counter what? There's really no world I see this working extremely well in CDH. But I could be wrong. Again, I'd love to hear your thoughts on these cards, because I, I don't play every deck. I'd love to know which list you think this would slot into well. But the card by itself is okay. And its major flaw is the fact that it's broadcasting. Like, as soon as this counter's removed... And by the way, it's, it's a cast. Right? So, what's how suspend works, when the last counter is removed from the card, you get to cast it without paying uh, any sort of mana for it. So people can still react to it. But the thing is, they've likely held their responses, pending your board state, they've likely held their responses for you to do your tutor, and then what do you do from here? Everyone has this expectation that you're going to go for something. I would. I don't know what, what would you do profane tutor for otherwise? It's not like tutoring up a like. Generally speaking, in the world of CDH, you can usually guess when someone's tutoring a mana crypt. Like it's it's almost always a mana crypt or a jeweled lotus these days. But profane tutor, you know, it's probably going to be a winning spell. Like you had to wait two turns for this. Don't tell me it's ramp. So I would refrain from slotting this into anything at the moment. Again, it's going to probably slide into a very specific list. But I would never want to have to build around the suspension here, unless you're using a suspension deck, then maybe there's some fun shenanigans you can do with this. However, a Profane Tutor is just okay. Next up on the list is Rishidin Dockhand, and this is this is Rishidin Port. <laughs> on a Merfolk body, a 1-2 Merfolk body. So, it has Island Walk, another effect we talked about recently in the community section. If you don't visit the community section of the channel, there's a lot of weekly, fun, hypothetical situations and topics I bring up that I'd love your thoughts on. And Land Walk was something I was talking about in a recent poll. It's good. It's okay here, and we don't care about it in Commander, but the last effect, pay one, tap, tap target land. Now, I don't affect... <laughs> I don't like effects like Strip Mine or Rishidan Port in Commander because it's important to note that it's a it's a four-player setting. And that you at least in a game of CDH, it's better to be able to affect everyone at once than one person at once. Because you putting someone down, especially in a way like this, where you're denying someone a color 
effectively is what you know Rishnan Port does and what Rishnan Dockhand does, or you use Strip Mine to remove a land from someone, which is the more permanent style of this effect. Uh, you're only hampering yourself in many instances because you're wasting a resource on this, and you're also just hampering one other player, and you're enabling two others. You, you need to look at it that way. There's no other way to look at it. These two people are going unaffected, and you're wasting mana for this effect. So, you know, not to say that anyone was considering Richard and Dockhand, but what I'm saying is that you shouldn't. Or effects like Strip Mine, or Richard and Port, or Wasteland, or anything that's going to do a one-to-one, -one, because we're really trying to do one-to-three, right? If I'm going to hurt myself, I want to make sure it's damning on all of you. Almost the same scenario with Grief, right? And, and the one counter to that is like cards like Duress are very playable in a commander setting, because Duress is very good at stunting uh, the control player, like before you try to combo off. That's different. But Grief, because it costs two cards technically, itself and another black card is really hampering what you can do on a turn, right? I would still rather run Duress over Grief in most instances, and not that many lists even play, you know, those types of effects. But same story here. Rishan and Dockhand, don't buy it. Don't, don't waste your time on this guy unless you have some sort of merfolk tribal list that really cares about this effect. That's all I have to say about that. Next up we have Shasta, Caffeine's Roar, for... Oh, 10 generic double green legendary creature dinosaur, 7-7 seven, seven, Bade. I'm putting an art I really like up. They're both good, but hot damn Andrew Marr. This just looks so badass. I just want to play this because it looks badass. The spell costs three less to cast for each other spell you've cast this turn. So it's like a, it's like storming off. Look at this electric dinosaur. Trample haste, you get to do the thing immediately. Trample over planeswalkers trample through trample over y'all prefer trample over or trample through would have made more sense uh, but basically and i'll read the text here because i think this might be the first instance of this this creature can deal excess combat damage to the controller of planeswalkers attacking which is really cool uh, normally speaking trample doesn't do that so that's why they had to obviously distinguish this but shasta has hexproof as long as it entered the battlefield this turn. So, very cool. As a commander, and that's the real question, right? Because would this be good in a commander setting? Um, you're doing seven damage. Like, they're clearly... Whether or not the set is meant for commander players, Watsi is... They clearly understand that Commander is one of their strongest paper magic formats, and if not the strongest, you know, seller of cards, of packs. So they are trying to appeal to our player base. And this is clearly telling us like, oh, it's a 7-7, seven, seven, and then you can do three times. Oh, it's almost like an aggro strategy could be viable. Unfortunately, you know, it's not great in a CDH setting, and I'm not even sure it's great just casually because mono green is not a strong enough color to support this strategy, this aggro strategy. You get a lot of buff spells, you get a lot of ways to ramp on a turn, but there isn't good card draw outside of a handful of enchantments that are, you know, contingent on you dropping creatures with high power. Uh, Shasta or Thrasta can be one of them. However, it, it, despite what people think, green does not have it all. It, it does lack card draw. And you can point at Sylvan Library, but that's really the only thing I can think of that's good card draw in green.
don't say harmonize. So, and obviously there are other cards that you can sacrifice a creature or drop cards off the greatest power of creatures, but they're very expensive and not practical outside of green. So is this good? Is this good? Probably not. Probably not. It's really aching for a handful more colors to really pop off. Like, there, there's really nothing in green alone that's really going to help this thrive. I would really love red for some double strike effects, perhaps. Like, if this was Gruul, if this dragon was in Gruul, it would... Dragon? Dinosaur was in Gruul, it would be excellent, in my opinion. You could do a lot more with it. Plus, Gruul just has sub-strategies that, you know, you can apply, obviously. The way to get this to pop off would ideally be playing out um, rituals in advance, right? So that my pyretic ritual is now giving me six mana, technically, to play out Thrasta instead, or Shasta, whatever you prefer to drink a choice. Uh, is Shasta even around anymore? And anyway, Thrasta, just okay, could have used other colors, and is fine. I don't think that I'm, I'm gonna wanna build for it, despite that amazing art. It's just okay. And here's a card we're gonna spend all of two seconds on. Timeless Dragon. I'll put the good art up so that we at least enjoy looking at it. Three generic, double white, creature dragon, flying, plane cycling, probably the best use of this card. You discard it, switch your library for a planes card. It can be a dual land, right? Otherwise it would say basic plane cycling. And then you have Eternalize, which came out in Hour of Devastation. Almond Cat, right? Yeah, Hour of Devastation, we'll just say it. Um, you, it's a thing that can be activated from your graveyard, right? So this is really cool. And uh, that's what that little coffin up next to its name is. If you're new to the world of magic and you weren't playing when they used the little coffin icon up there, or uh, tombstone, headstone, uh, you won't know what that means, but it's just an easy way to peel through your graveyard and see which of your cards has effects that are playable within the grave. Now, obviously, you know, you might have a reanimate in hand and then a ton of things are playable from the grave, but this has an effect, Eternalize, that's playable from the grave, and that's why that's there, and it's very cool. Um, basically, you get to create a token that's a copy of this creature, except it's a 4-4 black zombie dragon uh, with no mana cost. So and it's only playable at sorcery speed. So is this playable in Commander? No, not really. I, I can't imagine a scenario where this is really great for you. Again, I wouldn't run it for anything other than the plane cycling if you wanted an odd tutor. Otherwise, it's okay. I wouldn't even run it for the plane cycling. Let me just stop there. I'm not recommending you play this ever in Commander, CDH in particular. But you might have a dragon strategy. Maybe we do Kalia, and then it's Kalia all timeless dragons. Or Kalia couldn't do all timeless dragons. <laughs> but we get the one timeless dragon and aim for the timeless dragon. Timeless dragon, excuse me, tireless dragon. Anyways, moving on. The card I really like. My favorite card from the set thus far. Outside of Brainstone, is holy. Mm, love that. Unmarked Grape. One generic, one black, sorcery speed. Search your library for a non-legendary card, put that card into your graveyard, then shuffle. Shuffle, damn it. Okay, so, you, me, we're all spoiled. We've been spoiled for years. There's a card that's better than this called Entomb, but that doesn't mean this card is bad. Unmarked Grave is excellent redundancy. Now, what bothers me about Unmarked Grave 
outright pisses me off really is that usually if there's they make clear one-to-ones between effects right now the only two put from library into grave cards i can think of are buried alive and entomb entomb being the one-to-one here but previous one-to-ones like sylvan tutor to worldly tutor or vampiric tutor to imperial seal all these tutor effects your search library effects they've always been the same mana value for some reason they gave us a hampered entomb not only by means of search only non-legendary cards but by means of speed sorcery speed and of cost so i'm a little annoyed by that but hopefully people will underappreciate this to the point where it's like a dollar rare because i'm Definitely going to be picking one of these up for Rograk and Devesh. Redundancy. Consistency. That is king in this game. Because I'll tell you what, Underworld Breach, it does not give a shit that this card is sorcery speed when I'm trying to win on my turn. Underworld Breach does not care and tomb over this. The one mana difference, yes. That's what bothers me. But all the things I'm going to be using with Underworld Breach, in, in that list, I've got 97 targets. I can hit 97 things. It's not non-legendary, non-land. I can literally hit anything I want with this card. So in most instances, it's probably going to be a, a Lion's Eye Diamond or a Grinding Station. This is once the Underworld breaches out. It can be my uh, Reality Scramble in that list. This Reality Scramble will let me get my Razaketh on the battlefield, which happens to be legendary. So not a huge hiccup. This is fantastic. The only thing I would suggest they fix if it isn't too late, is make this so instant speed. Why is this sorcery speed? Why is this sorcery speed? We have the better version of this card. It's not even a one-to-one -one comparison. This isn't the sorcery variant of the other card. This is just a shittier version of an amazing card that we're all spoiled with. Entomb is amazing. Entomb is such a good card. And Unmarked Grave, it does pale in comparison. But on our scale, Pat's hand scale, of value, Unmarked Grave is still right here. <laughs> Unmarked Grave is still right there, but it's still damned good. If you're in Rakdos, or any list that includes black and red, because Underworld Breach is the predominant strategy for lists that contain red, this is still a phenomenal card. It's just as good as a Demonic Tutor, unlike Profane Command, or Profane Tutor, excuse me, in situations where you're manipulating Underworld Breach. Provided you have the right amount of cards in your graveyard to pop off with Escape, it's good. I've said enough about this card. This is the one I suggest you look out for. This is the one I'll be buying. And I, I like it a lot. I, I think that it should have been either one black or instant speed at two mana value. Because the way this card is slated right now it's a clear it they're clearly establishing that they're only trying to do underpowered or you know they're they're lessening the power level which bothers me like these other cards still exist like lion's eye diamond though it's not accessible for everyone and thank goodness i have one um the the diamond lion is nothing in comparison it's a shame they're really don't drag the power level down too hard is what i'm saying because these other cards that are great and playable still exist. So in Eternal Formats, the folk like me that own all these great cards, 
we're just gonna slam you. And Entomb still exist, so I don't understand why you couldn't make the one-to-one -one for Entomb. At any rate, Urza Saga. We're coming to the end here. This is one of the earlier spoiled cards, and yes, I will be buying one of these as well, because it's fantastic. What's really cool about this is that it's an enchantment land, namely enchantment. So if for any reason you had a tutor for enchantments and you needed this, you can grab this. It's not necessarily better than just finding the thing you actually need, right? But this is really good in that instance. Now, the detriment to this is that Folks can target this because it is an enchantment with something like a nature's uh, claim or nature's nature's claim <laughs> or natural state, which is what I use. Um, you can still target this and blow it up. Anything that targets an enchantment can blow this up, which is kind of a bummer. But what's also nice about that on, on the flip side of that coin is that anything that you have that targets an enchantment can target this. So like Hall of Heliod's generosity, um, because this is a saga, it will go away. And once it does, you can put it back on top of your library and have this land forever virtually, right? Unless someone's running a strip mine and decides to target you. That hasn't happened to me in a while. I don't know why I'm so bitter about it. <laughs> so, when it enters the battlefield, or rather, as it enters the battlefield, you put a lore counter on it. I think they're called lore counters. Yeah. Uh, and after your draw step, you'll put a lore counter on it. So, for the first lore, uh, Urza Saga gains tap, add, one generic. Right, so it maintains that as it goes through these, as we read this epic saga. So for two, Urza Saga gains pay two, tap, create a zero, zero colorless construct artifact creature with this creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact. It's Urza, right? It's Urza's construct. You just get a really beefy construct. You're likely not going to use that effect. I don't know why you would. I mean, you could use it off turn if you have nothing else to do, right? Why not? You'll use it off turn if you have nothing else to do. But lastly, search a library for an artifact card with a mana of zero or one and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Well, that's that's really good. Um, wow, that's... I just get that for playing a land. Obviously, you know, after this lore counter is placed on the card, you can float mana during uh, the end of your draw step do something with your mana then but this card goes bye bye and you're down a land after three turns which is okay but the fact that you could search your library and put any artifact on the battlefield well there's a ton of really game winning things that are zero to one mana depending on the list in teshar any outlet is zero to one in any list mana crypt if you don't have the budget for mana crypt soul ring it doesn't matter who you are you're gonna get value out of this card the only list that don't really want to see this are maybe four or five colored list. I would even argue some trip colored list can get by with the generic that this is producing. It's going to be okay in those lists, but mono colored lists and dual colored lists are really going to thrive on this. I love utility lands. I love a good utility land. This is one of the better ones ever. I'm trying to think of the last utility land I really liked. Blast Zone from that one set with the crown. Blast Zone's really good. Oh, the Planeswalker. War of the Spark. Jeez Louise. Urza Saga. Buy a copy. Buy a copy. I'm waiting on this one because this is one, once they flooded the market, I'm fairly certain the prices will drop on these, despite its like immediate playability. At least in Commander. Again, anything that tutors and puts it on the battlefield is really good. Last up. 
We have Yasri. Yusri. Fortune's Flame. I don't know how you spell it. Yasri. Fortune's Flame. Well, we'll say it like that. One generic is it. Or Prismari. Legendary creature Ifrit. Flying. 2 3 body. So. So does it pass the vanilla test? I think so, right? Three mana, two, three flyer, that's not bad. However, whenever Usury Fortune's Flame attacks, we don't have haste, so you have to wait on this one unless you have haste enabling somehow. Choose a number between one and five. Flip that many coins. For each flip you win, draw a card. What? Card, card value, I love it. Thank God the opposite end of this flip for each flip you lose, it deals a usury yasre deals two damage to you. If you won five flips this way, hold up. You may cast spells from your hand this turn without paying their mana cost. So let me get this straight. One, two, three, four, five cards I've just drawn, and I get to cast spells without paying their mana cost. It's pretty good. Now, Will from the Discord did the math and i know you're all wondering what is this, how does this work with the thumb how does this work with quark's thumb i i believe it's roughly 24 percent chance is what he had stated of winning all five flips with the thumb a roughly 24 percent chance so that's not bad if ever uh, you know what i bet you the prices on the thumb are going to raise just because people go gaga over dumb interactions like this I'm curious as to what the prices are now. This is not me suggesting you buy up every copy because they've already gone up in price since Crark, right? However, uh, I do see the prices of Crark's thumb raising because of usury. Do I think the effect really warns playing this card? Yes. If you're gonna play Yasre as your commander, you probably need to get a copy of Crux Thumb and it's right around $20 still. So that's not so bad. Again, I can I can imagine it going up in value though. So if you don't own a copy and you do plan on playing this legendary as your commander, I probably suggest buying one, but I don't generally play around luck. So my general rules in commander, I don't play for strategies that rely on my opponents like Dockside Loops, I hate that shit. And I don't play for strategies that revolve around luck aspects. Uh, anything beyond top decking, that's as much luck as I want to deal with in a game. I hate, I hate the luck factor in any competitive game. It's impossible for games to be competitive when there are elements outside of my control dictating how successful my list is. Wait for this next Brew Wars and you'll see what I mean. However, I would definitely recommend buying this for this list, and I wouldn't say it's entirely necessary, right? Because for three mana, whenever you attack, you have the potential of drawing up to five cards. That's really great. I, and, and all like, in my opinion, the only thing I really want to get out of this guy is a draw on the attack. And then it's like Timna's equivalent, right? Or if I get more than that, and mind you, Timna benefits off of the creatures, but we're only really concerned about our commander here. This is a really decent draw engine if you're making those, you know, 50-50 shots. However, you can still damage yourself a whole lot too, because if you fail every single coin toss, and I was gonna say, thank God it doesn't make you discard a card, because if you fail every coin toss, you do 10 damage to yourself. It's quite a bit. So that's why I'm saying, like, this feels like it was clearly designed for commander. Like, they hear the cries for draw, but 10, 
10 damage off of 5 flips isn't going to kill you, but it is going to set you back one fourth of your health. It just feels very commander-centric. Am I wrong? Like, this was clearly designed with commander in mind, and we're seeing so many more legendary creatures come out in these sets. So, there's that. Usury. Do I like him? Yeah. It's is it. You're, there's plenty of combos you can play in here. Underworld Breach, you can play in here with your Brain Freeze. You can still win with Thassa's Oracle that way. Um, you can storm into solutions with this list. Is it storm is a real thing. Um, and he's a cool commander for it. I think that the ability itself, I would probably never play this myself because my luck is complete shit. If you've seen my Krark gameplay, you'll know what I'm talking about. I would never rely on a commander that causes me to toss coins in the air. I just can't do that. However, for you, definitely. Check it out. See if you have fun with it. But guys, that will do it for our overview of Modern Horizon spoilers thus far. Of course, stay tuned for more spoilers on the channel. There is also a handful of spoils for a recent D&D crossover. It's also, you know, owned by Wizards of the Coast, but it's the first time those characters and their likenesses have been in the game. Um, I'm not going to discuss them in this overview, but we'll talk about them separately in the future. Mind you, Bag of Holding has been in the game. There have been things like Swords of Dungeon, Sword of Dungeon and Dragon in the game, but no clear one-to-one -one tie in with the, their, their other product. So hang tight for that in case you're wondering if I was going to talk on those legendaries. Dritz, Drizzits, I never knew how to pronounce it. Happy to see you, brother. But guys, yeah. Let me know what your favorite cards are thus far. Obviously, feel free to talk to me about all of the other spoils that happened during the week if you're watching this uh, come this coming week, because that's when the real spoilers start. However, there's a lot of juicy stuff here. I hope they didn't put their best foot forward, because I'm hoping to see what that other foot has in store for us. But gang, as I do with all these videos, I'd like to thank one random lucky Patreon member. And that Patreon member, through complete randomnicity, is Shane Ireland. Shane is new to the channel and a brew master at that. Shane, thank you so much for your pledge over on Patreon. You and many others are helping out in a really big way and I can't thank you enough. And with their thoughts on the monthly topic, I turn to Brandon Palmer. Hey, Brandon here. Tutoring versus drawing. I personally think tutoring will always be more important because it allows you to find the particular combo piece or kill piece you need to close out the game or solve a problem on the board. But drawing is more important when you're trying to see as much of your deck as possible, as sometimes is the goal when playing casually. They both have their place, but I'm a personal fan of tutors. And that will do it for this video. Stay tuned for more coverage on Modern Horizons 2. Of course, our weekly live streams where I build list live with you guys, and of course, our Friday YouTube shorts. Again, my name is Patrick Marlette, and happy brewing, babies.